a really quick and exciting announcement to make. The Menopause and Cancer podcast is now also on YouTube, and I'm so excited that more people now get to watch our conversations. So the link to the YouTube channel is in our show notes. Please go and subscribe to the channel so that more people who need to hear our conversations are able to find them. Thank you. Welcome to the Menopause and Cancer podcast, where we speak with cancer patients, survivors and incredible experts in their fields to help us find solutions to our symptoms and ideas to improve our health. My name is Danny Binnington, and I'm very excited to talk about whether turmeric, ashwagandha, red clover and soy in whole food supplements are safe products for you to use or whether there are contraindications for some of you because so much of the narrative out there is herbal medication or supplements might be contraindicated and then people stay away from them. That to me is not good enough because there are great benefits to using supplements and herbal medication like this and we all deserve the data, the science and the facts behind those products. And so I've got two brilliant women here with me today who are helping us find the answers to those difficult questions. I'm joined by Dr. Vera Martin. She's a naturopath and herbalist with a PhD in cancer biology. She'll answer all of the technical questions for us. And I'm also joined by Rebecca Brown. Rebecca runs a brilliant community and a product-based business, Empowder. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that these ladies are actually holding their hands up and saying, this is what we know. This is what we don't know. Let's use science to make an informed decision. I'm going to welcome these ladies in. I can't wait for this conversation. Stay to the end. I've got something very important to announce. I have been waiting with anticipation to quiz you two clever ladies. Vera, let's go straight to you. Tell me, we're talking about herbal supplements today. Are all herbal supplements safe? Because at the end of the day, they're just herbal supplements. So can all of us just happily take herbal food supplements? Hi, Dani and Rebecca. Uh, uh, it's a pleasure being here today with you, Dani, and connecting with uh, you and your community. community. Um, and I find that the work that you are doing extremely important. And uh, to uh, answer your question, the short answer is no. <laughs> so this is great, isn't it? Because I just went into our um, Instagram community yesterday and I said to people, how many of you are worried about the safety of herbal supplements? And 100% said that they were worried. And so rightly so, right? They need to be worried because they're not all safe. But how do I find trusted information, Vera? Because it's a minefield out there. Yeah, I think we we need to start thinking about, you know, why, what's the reason for that? And I think it's because uh, there are not enough studies. So not enough studies uh, of and, and of good quality. And I think the main issues are around, you know, the number of participants in studies being often low. Um, having um, um, situations where the, the studies are done mainly, you know, for some, for some herbs, we may have a, a, a data available only in animal models or in vitro, meaning, you know, in the lab. So there's a lack of proper, you know, human studies, clinical trials. Um, and then, you know, um, that doesn't allow for consistency and 
significant data, data that we can actually rely. And so this leads to quite a lot of confusion and uh, that we actually know that because even when we speak to, to a doctor, you don't really get the clarity that you may want. And that's just because, you know, simply the data may not be there. And so doctors often choose to actually have a more conservative approach. Um, and so, but this doesn't help you in a way, does it? Like you don't, you still don't know what to do. So I think, you know, what, what we're trying to do here today and what I think it would what would like to empower women here today to 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 know and to learn is that there are there is data. So first of all, there is data, and that data is what can guide us. And we are going to the most important thing I would say is like we're going to share with you, uh, you know, uh, trustable, reliable sources because that's how you can do your research, your own research. So um, we're going to share that. There is quite a lot available and then you know what can you do what kind of questions and considerations you you may want to you know to, to keep in mind when you go and do your own research and I would say start by looking at possible interactions I think that must be the, the, the one of the most important I think also going back to your questions are all the are all herbal supplements safe no and I think they're mainly uh, some of the uh, the issues may actually be linked to uh, possible interactions, especially if there is a patient that is t um, undergoing uh, cancer treatment. So do your research really well yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you are our starting point for our research today. <laughs> and then the next one is to look at the quality of the supplements. I guess this applies to anyone, but in this context, even more because, you know, patients may be already suffering from side effects. You don't want to have supplements that are of poor quality that can impact on that due to, due to the fact they, they have, you know, um, unnecessary additives that can cause possible allergies, gut issues. So, um, nausea for instance these are things you definitely want to avoid and you want that supplement to work so you want good quality uh, supplements that are bioavailable that means that your body can absorb them properly and with minimal side effects so do that research as well there you may actually benefit from talking to a health practitioner that can guide you uh, but you know there is information out there as well and the final consideration i want to make is you know particularly if you have a hormone-sensitive um, type of cancer, you may want to consider if a particular supplement has uh, phytoestrogens. And we're going to talk a little bit more about them uh, today, um, but phytoestrogens are substances that naturally occur in plants and they have the same structure uh, of uh, of our, you know, of the estrogen that our bodies naturally produce. So they are extremely helpful in terms of um, uh, managing menopausal symptoms, but at the same time, there are concerns that they may actually, you know, impact obviously on uh, on on cancer because they mimic, you know, the the the, the molecule, the estrogen molecule. Hey, thank you for listening so far. This podcast has an amazing Facebook community full of inspiring women supporting each other and sharing their stories. Please come and be part of it. We'd love to have you in the group. Click the link in the show notes and come in now. 
Rebecca, you and I, when we spoke in the past, we both share the same frustration, and that is the worry of the safety around products like this stops women in my community then accessing supplements or medication or foods in some cases even that could actually be really helpful for them. And so by just saying to people, just be careful, there might be contraindications. I think we're all doing such a big disjustice uh, to everyone in that community. And so I'm very grateful that you know, as a community, but also as a brand with a product that you've actually taken the time to come on here and explain to us and also say, hang on a minute, our product is not right for everyone. Um, and I'm really grateful that you're there to also show, show and share with us what we don't know, because there are many people telling you all the things we know, but not a lot of people say, actually, we don't know everything. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think that was such a good point, and um, you know, as Vera, Vera echoed at the beginning of this chat, um, it's such a joy to be collaborating with the community you have as well. And I think that that word community is the most important part of both of our um, endeavors um, as individuals and founders. Is that Empowered is a community first and foremost, and we we formulate. Um, these botanical blends through the lens of naturopathy, which you know we're very passionate about, but we are there first and foremost to be a supportive educational community where people can kind of hopefully come navigate our product range if that feels right for them, talk to our health concierge team if that's what they need, talk to Vera if that's what they need, attend workshops with us, because it's that absence of um, knowledge, as you say, Danny, but it's also then that absence of curiosity where you're kind of just shut down and, and so you're told that stuff doesn't won't be right for you but that, that then you're left without any any route forward and so hopefully by having these conversations and ensuring that every every voice is heard and we understand what we do know and what we don't know and also that science doesn't stand still because I think that's the other frustration is that quite often new sort of you know you take ashwagandha as a, as a perfect example sort of superhero products come to market and there's a lot of buzz around them and every magazine you open is talking about them and they're being used in all kinds of different ways and quite often because of the caution that medical practitioners quite rightly have to apply to everything they won't necessarily be able to um, keep pace or advise in a way that they're comfortable with and so you're kind of left in this gray area where you have to do the homework and if we can do the homework together that's that's always a far better better route as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because a real frustration for some women in my community is that the menopause conversation in the last few years, particularly in the UK, is very much mm. HRT heavy and focused. And for many of the women who are told HRT is contraindicated, that's a bit annoying. It's like we are really happy for everyone that can go on HRT, obviously, but it's really difficult when it's so highlighted in the press and in the media and it's something we can't access. But the same with herbal medication. Because we yeah, have so yeah, many women yeah. and our friends who love Empowder and they love your blends and they actually say it's really helped them. But then we're sitting there thinking, oh, well, I'm not sure it's got turmeric in it or ashwagandha. I heard it might not be safe for me. And so, again, we're feeling a little bit shut down. And I am yeah. someone that likes to do a bit of research, but I don't go into research in too much detail because I haven't got the brains necessarily for that. So, I can't consistently, who's going to help me find the answers? And so, Vera, I want to go straight to you and talk to you about turmeric, if you can, because I'm sat here with a turmeric latte today, if you can see. <laughs> yes. I, I, I put the yellow like top on. It looks like a good color, so it's probably good quality. Very, very vibrant. It is. Good. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. And um, 
We know that turmeric is really beneficial. I want you to tell us what's important about turmeric because I know you've included this in some of your products. But I also yeah. want to tell you, for part of our audience, turmeric might be a problem or who should not have turmeric in this whole food supplement. Talk us through all of the turmeric dilemma. Yes, so turmeric is one of, let's say, Rebecca was introducing, you know, sort of same level as ashwagandha, is one of these, we call it like superhero herbs. Um, it does touch on a, a lot of different, you know, important areas of health. So turmeric, talking in more specifically, its active ingredient, curcumin. In fact, quite a lot of supplements rely just on the extract, the curcumin, so you know, standardized for that particular uh, um, ingredient in turmeric. So turmeric, why is it so popular? And I think in particularly, as you were saying, in the in the cancer community for women that have less, you know, less options where HRT may not be um, a possibility, turmeric can be very helpful because turmeric, you know, it does help, for instance, with um, mood. That's one actually, uh, one of his health benefits that may not be as commonly known. For instance, like he's known as an anti-inflammatory, so he can help maybe with joint pains. He may, he may help as well with metabolism, um, with uh, immunity, but actually its mood uh, uh, boosting effects are also quite well researched. So it's, it's, it's really... It's a really, um, it's a really helpful herb, and it's it's quite well researched. So I think that's another that's another reason why you know, a supplement the supplement industry may rely so much on it. Um, I want to start maybe by just giving you what I think it's the bottom line. So what should you remember about turmeric if you are worried about it? Is that turmeric? I think the, the possible contraindications that you know there are out there now are mainly related if someone is taking, you know, medication for cancer, particularly, you no know, chemotherapy and tamoxifen. And this is actually also just in the case of a supplement. So I, I like to, we, we may explore this a little bit more here today, but there is a difference when we're talking about foods and supplements. So actually turmeric in its spice form is an all food form. There are no known contraindications, you know, and experts recommend to eat it, to add it to your dishes normally, you know, in moderate and reasonable amounts. So that's an important distinction I want to make, you know, food like you were having it, Danny, like as a, as a tea, perfect. But then when it comes to uh, supplements, because then we're thinking about actually a quite concentrated um, you know, amount of turmeric, then is where the research is not clear. But one thing that there is some, like a red flag is, yes, you know, if you are on medication, then may be contraindicated. And why is that? So there are studies showing, you know, some possible uh, contraindications there. So one, uh, one study um, has uh, shown that it can impact on, you know, the, how your body metabolizes tamoxifen. So based on this study, and this is a, this is a, um, a clinical trial, based on this study, there is obviously like a warning there. But actually, I would like to highlight that this study in particular has used really high levels of, of turmeric in, in curcumin. So in this, in this particular study, 
which you know you don't see that those high amounts normally in supplement in in the supplements yeah in the shelves so that kind of already going back to what we we're saying i mean the studies are conducted but are they actually translating sometimes what happens in real life not necessary this is one one alert there and then the other uh, there's another there's quite a few other studies in terms of how it can you know impact on chemotherapy some actually show a positive result others show a negative result so that is contradictory and they are actually those the the chemotherapy ones are more around pre preclinical studies so you know this is the data but nevertheless based on those uh, studies this data um the recommendations is if you are on uh cancer medication, be careful, talk to your doctor first. This is fascinating, Vera. What you have explained is almost a similar scenario to what we have with using hormone replacement therapy after breast cancer. So the data is really old. We have contradictory data. There are studies that didn't show an increased risk of uh, cancer recurrence, and there are studies that did show an increased risk of cancer recurrence. And the types of hormone replacement therapy that was used is not at all what would be used now. A little bit like turmeric. Yeah. It's unbelievable, really, to think that everything that we base our decisions on it's kind of like a bit irrelevant because it's not the sort of product we would use. We wouldn't chuck all of this turmeric in your supplements is what I'm hearing from you. And some studies yeah. have shown a benefit and some have shown a negative impact. Okay, so going back to what I'm drinking here, I've got about a teaspoon of turmeric in here. I was in India recently. I had the most amazing trip. I need to do a podcast on this. And all I bought <laughs> was turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is proper Indian turmeric. I added a little bit of black pepper. I've got it in my coconut milk, which is what I like. And I've added a little bit of honey. So are you saying that in your, for example, M powder blend, let's just take your um, formulations as an example. There is much more turmeric yeah. in than what I put in my, what I put in here. Yes, yes, quite possibly. Yeah. Yes, it's, it is. Yeah, it is. It is more concentrated. In fact, we will talk a little bit more about our blends later on. But, you know, we are very transparent about our products. And so for our mood food, you know, um, capsules, which contain um, turmeric, we, we, we have that as, as, as a red flag. You know, if you are on um, medication, then on cancer medication, then talk to your doctor first because of the presence of turmeric as an extract. So we have to go by the data. We have to go by what the experts recommend. And so the way it is provided, there is not as all food. It is a turmeric extract. And so uh, yeah. with higher concentrations of But I love human. that. But I love that, Vera, mm. because we've just sort of given everyone at home listening, thinking I'm still on tamoxifen. You know, people are on these drugs for five or 10 years. Mm. They might really want to look at a a supplement and we've just sort of done the legwork for them and said actually no this is no good for you <laughs> but why don't you make yourself a turmeric tea or cook your curries and there is no problem yes. with that and equally you've yeah. also sort of answered that all these women out there after surgically onset menopause for example who are not on tamoxifen who have de debilitating joint ache turmeric is a really good supplement because when you mention joint ache i know eight out of 10 people at home listening are going to think, oh my gosh, that's me. Joint ache is such a huge problem. And my left hip is so creaky and so achy that I often just have to revert to taking a paracetamol because I just want to switch off that grinding that in my hip. Mm. Yeah, it's, 
it's that low level sort of really grinding away. And I didn't actually know turmeric was so good for that joint ache. So that's really interesting for me. Let's talk about ashwagandha because ashwagandha has recently been on my Instagram feed, left, right and center. And the first time I came out it was with a herbal medicalist, Melinda McDougall, who helped me personally um, a few years back with my lymphedema. And she's such a fan of ashwagandha. Do you use it? Is it part of your blends? What are our, you know, what's the benefit? And what are also, do we have concerns? I have no idea if there are concerns, actually. I didn't get as far as turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dani, I'm so happy you are talking about ashwagandha uh, because it's one of my favorite herbs. I think, you know, Rebecca knows that very well. And, um, you know, we have it in, <laughs> we have it in two blends, um, in two of our blends. So one of our foundational powders, so the uh, Mano Boost, and then we have it also in our mood food. Um, I just love ashwagandha. Yeah. And uh, ashwagandha, it's. Uh, I think that we you you're going to hear to to like probably what you're going to hear about ashwagandha because um, the bottom line is there are no really known contraindications so far. So that's good. We're going to look a little bit more in detail, but that's the bottom line. Um, and so why is ashwagandha so popular? And I think ashwagandha particularly, I use it so often, you know, um, with with my with my menopausal women because. It just does help in so many areas that are, you know, a challenge during uh, during menopause. Um, you name it. I mean, as a start point, yeah, it's an adaptogen, which is um, an herb that helps the body to adapt. What that means, we can get into more details. Maybe, you know, another time. It's um, it's uh, it's uh, it's a herb that helps the body to. Um, to 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 adapt by balancing the hypothalamus and the pituitary axis. Um, and so it's it's basically one of the best adaptogens that I have, you know, usually in my um, my um, tool kit to support the stress response. So it's really, really amazing for that. Uh, it's been shown in several clinical trials. It's quite well researched, um, shown to reduce levels of cortisol. And so symptoms that it can help with, you know, is, you know, obviously reducing anxiety, um, uh, also supporting sleep, um, mood, uh, and um, and in, you know increases your energy levels. So it's helpful as well in in in, uh, in terms of fatigue. Um, and this is so relevant in the context of menopause, but particularly I think for women that don't have um, don't have as many options, you know, in terms of HRT, this herb really ticks so many boxes. Um, so I think it's really I think it's important for women that are considered to take ashwagandha to do, you know, their research, look if there are any possible contraindications in their specific case, because everyone is different. So, for instance, ashwagandha, there are no non-contraindications specifically in terms of uh, in the context of cancer or, or, or cancer medication. But we do know that uh, ashwagandha is contraindicated uh, if um, you have an hyperactive thyroid so something to keep in mind. And also if you are on an immunosuppressant drug, you know, as something to be careful about as well. Uh, but, you know, in terms of, yeah, going back to the cancer context, uh, if anything, there is some research, more recent research showing that 
ashwagandha can actually be helpful um, in um, in women going through uh, chemotherapy because it helps with quality of life and reducing symptoms of fatigue. So you know, I think it's it's a really powerful herb that women can consider in this community. Yeah. And when you talk about stress, I have not spoken to anyone in our community who didn't say their stress levels were through the roof. Um, and of course, anxiety is one of the most common symptoms of perimenopause for a woman who goes into menopause naturally, but compounded by a cancer diagnosis. But all the prodding, the treatments, the procedures, the worry about what's going to happen next. Stress is huge. And we know from talking to Dr. Anis Mukherjee and some incredible endocrinologists that all of our symptoms become worse if we're in heightened stress levels. And if that stress is yeah. chronically heightened, it can affect our bones, it can affect our metabolic health, it can affect so many other things, joint aches, so many things. And it's mad to think, isn't it? We've got this whole cycle of symptoms. Where do we start? And I wonder if we could all start with trying to reduce our stress levels, whether that would be a really good starting point. Because sometimes I speak to women and I've got no idea where this person could start first. You know, we've so many different symptoms. Where do we go? Do we go to the doctor first or the oncologist? Or do we need to change our diet or lift weights? Or where do you start? But stress is this common symptom that so many of us share. And perhaps we can do a little meditation and use some ashwagandha and tap into loads of tools and techniques to really lower our stress levels. Um, Rebecca, I know that you had a really rubbish perimenopause journey yourself, <laughs> isn't it? Which is why you've actually created then the community and tried to come up with a solution in the form of your um, whole food blends. Was stress a big part and anxiety a big part of your symptoms as well? Yeah, it was. And it's, it's really interesting um, to hear you sort of frame what, how we approach um, menopause symptoms in that way because I think Bill will agree with me we through all of the experts we also get the privilege of listening to as part of our community how you digest stress is probably the most fundamental thing that we can do for ourselves um, as we transition through perimenopause into menopause and quite often I remember my early stages of my own investigation into get, getting back to, to, to good health but also just talking to these amazing practitioners Many of them will say there's no there's no point really looking at your nutrition um, unless you've looked at how you digest stress. There's no point thinking about sleep hygiene unless you've looked at how you're digesting stress. And even, you know, the medical practitioners we work with would argue that HRT doesn't work as well if you're not looking at how you digest stress. So it's so important. And we know from the data that we get from our community that it is one of the most persistent symptoms right across your menopause journey, um, as you highlight. And for me, it was the thing that really um, top, toppled me over, you know, led to me getting incredibly unwell. I was a sort of type A personality, researcher by trade, working in the creative industries. And over about the period of six months, I went from being, you know, relatively comfortable in my own skin. I've been doing the job for a long time, you know, and uh, I kind of thought I knew what I was doing to being absolutely crippled by anxiety and, and not not being able to go into a meeting room and feeling confident that I could articulate myself, waking up in the middle of the night, worrying about presentations I used to do without, you know, without even thinking. And all of that sort of led to me just working even harder, like driving myself even 
closer to burnout because I, I felt like the only way I could cope with my sort of my brain not behaving like it should and my body not behaving like it should was just to work harder, you know, be more prepared, be more more ready, work harder. And obviously what that then did was exacerbate this this um this uh this perimenopause journey which i didn't i didn't know that's what i was in and i think the other really interesting thing obviously about stress as you say is it it has it has very physical implications for our long-term health and so my hair started falling out i became bloated i had terrible ibs i couldn't sleep i had the most glorious outbreak of of acne all of which obviously meant my confidence levels plummeted even further because i couldn't fit in things nothing tasted right you know so um that that piece around anxiety and i think sometimes it feels almost dismissive to say, you know, just do a little little meditation. Um, and I was very, I was very cynical about any of these lifestyle interventions. So I thought, well, that's just not going to. I'm feeling so awful. None of that's going to work for me. And yet, actually, I think again, what I've learned in my own perimenopause journey is it's the layering up. It's the just. It's almost like just submit to the fact that these some of these practices have been around for hundreds of years. You know, why have they survived? <laughs> um, why are all the people that I know who do seem to be navigating life well? advocates of it and actually in the, in the instances of yoga meditation breath work emotional freedom technique um all of these things there's actually a very good body of scientific research and study now that that points to its efficacy in lowering our cortisol levels and managing our stress so i really do encourage people to sort of not to be as dismissive as i was because i probably would have got better a lot quicker had i just tried these things out and, and given them a go you know yeah. And it is really interesting because you started off being quite cynical. And I know we have people listening to the podcast who've never felt drawn to say herbal medication <clears throat> or interventions like yoga or mindfulness. Mm. And I think it's all about sort of allowing this time of our life, allowing ourselves, like you said earlier, to be curious, because I know your path led you to really trying to understand more about naturopathy. Like, what yeah. the heck is even naturopathy? Most people don't even know what that is, right? Um, I'll, defer to the, I'll defer to the the expert on this one. Yeah, but and what an amazing discipline as well. I think, I, think the, I think the wonderful thing about all of the experts, I'm sure you get to talk to, Danny, and the ones I get to as well, um, is the ones I get most excited by are the ones that have that curiosity and that open mind um, so that, you know, they know what they know now, but they're also excited about what's coming down the line. And um, Vera will explain what naturopathy is, but... I think from from my perspective as a sort of um, as, as someone who's just been on the receiving end of it in terms of getting better, what I love is its deep respect for science and medicine. I love and that. It's I love innate, that so yeah. much. You know, and it's innate curiosity. And, and then so it's like, OK, absolutely. Let's work with the Western medicine protocols and all of the things that science tells us. But but let's also look to the evidence and the growing body of research into these other areas. And isn't it amazing when you can blend the two like like surely. I think, and I think actually our generation, we're particularly aware of the impact of that body-mind connection, whereas maybe the generation before didn't necessarily understand the impact of, of our mindset and our stress levels on our long-term health. So now it's never been, in my view, Vera, I mean, Vera, correct me if I'm wrong, it's never been almost like a better time to be curious about naturopathy. But maybe, Vera, you can explain what it is. <laughs> Yeah, please, Vera, do, because I wonder whether a lot of people at home don't know. You know, to me, it sounds like what we're talking about is what I always bang on about, and that is managing menopause after cancer really needs a multifaceted approach because yeah. we can't lift weight and stop all of our symptoms. We can't have the best diet and get rid of all of our symptoms. It won't work. Even women who are on HRT still have loads of symptoms. There is no sort of one thing that is going to do and really make that huge change. And naturopathy, like you say, it's really, really respecting the science, but layering 
on top of that, yeah, 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 yeah. different modalities. Have you ever explained to us what it means? Yes, you are um, you are doing a really good description, both of you. And actually, I, I want to say, and I, I, I say this often, you know, anyone that has this respect and this view of health and, and, and nature and, you know, how our connection with ourselves and nature can support our bodies, and anyone can actually be a naturopath at heart because it's exactly that. So... And, uh, and, you know, um, you may actually, uh, you may have a training as a naturopath, but actually you may have a doctor that doesn't have that training, but it does come, you know, with a naturopathic approach that has that naturopathy principles at, at heart. And so, yeah, that's what naturopathy is about. Although it sounds maybe something a little bit different, but it's actually really down to earth, really like common sense I, I find it it just at the same time that it brings it all together you know it's also very broad in its view so it has this really sort of broad 360 degrees approach to to health and that's what I really love about it and um, and so uh, and at, at the same time that it has that approach it actually really focus on on the individual on that person in front of you you know trying to tailor a treatment to that person. So, for instance, as a naturopath, I'm really interested to know who you are, you as a person, beyond your symptoms, you know, what moves you, what are your emotions that are also part of this, of, of what you're telling me. So that's really important because that's the information that really helps us to treat, to, to, to support that person as a, as a whole. And so think of a naturopath as your, let's say, health partner, that is going to help you to figure out what are you know the tools that the the, the practices the the, the self care tools that work best for you you know for you uh, which may be completely different than the ones that work for your friend and as Rebecca uh, already mentioned in like uh, with naturopathy we are able to work with several different types of tools, you know, from nutrition to herbal medicine and like um, self-care tools like lifestyle changes that are really important to help, you know, with stress management. That's definitely one of the foundations. So you already touched on a few of them. And so we can work with all these sort of these, these are all part, you know, this as there's a menu with all these options and, uh, and uh, they are evidence-based and you can use them alongside you know conventional medicine in a safe way so yeah i think it's just really beautiful and it just makes a lot of sense <laughs> i love that so much vera and i'm just thinking at home we are all so much more than our cancer diagnosis we're all so much more than what happened to us we're so much more than our symptoms we're so much more than the roles we play in society, whether we're mothers or daughters or sisters or friends or whoever, whatever role we fulfill, there is so much more to us. And I can't help but think, no one's ever really asked me, who are you? Who are you more than your cancer in all of my 11 years navigating life since a cancer diagnosis? And it's really what's always been missing because when we truly answer what are our interests? What are our needs, our desires? We will all find modalities that resonate with us. I know acupuncture won't be for everyone. Fair enough. If it's not for you, there is no point in trying to bring you to acupuncture if you don't really believe or have a connection to it, right? 
the same with um you know putting on makeup some people love putting on makeup others won't and so we're all so different other different things get us out of bed and make us excited about life and the world and it's so important to encompass that because healing is so multifaceted it's a beautiful way of describing healing what you've just said isn't it really yeah it's exactly that dania <laughs> vera on my um on my poll from speaking to all these women i know we've got a few more questions about soy and red clover because when i spoke to rebecca in the past um we talked a lot about the benefits of soy and red clover um Tell us a bit more why that is so helpful for someone navigating perimenopause, menopause, and why someone might not be able to tap into a whole food supplement, including soy or red clover. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. 73% of people who listen to my podcast haven't yet clicked the follow button on their podcast player. I want these conversations to reach as many women as possible who might need it. So if you've ever enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button now. Yeah, actually, that uh, it's it's really impor important to touch on on soy and red clover as they are particularly soya is one of the richest sources of phytoestrogens that we already talked a little bit about, and the phytoestrogen, the class of phytoestrogen that soya um, and also red clover contain is called isoflavones. So you may hear about all these words, so it can be a little bit confusing. Are they the same? Are they not? So isoflavones is a type of um, phytoestrogen that, you know, is um, present in soya and red clover. And so uh, from, you know, the from the all the research available, actually, most of the research is has been done on soya because it is, you know, as I said, a rich source of isoflavones. Um, and um, we have uh, more information, you know, in terms of, of soy than any other, any other um, types of foods of supplements. But still, uh, the research when it comes to supplements is still not conclusive. <laughs> what we do now, and we go back to food versus supplements. Um, in most sort of let's say, trustable sources that you go to, you can see that actually experts uh, are comfortable to say that um, eating soya in its all food you know, form is considered safe. If you had um, a diagnosis of breast cancer, so after breast cancer, um, and um, there uh, doesn't seem to be, there don't seem to be any contraindications even if you are on medication. Um, as food. So this is really important distinction to make. And again, it's because, you know, soya, as an example, in its all food format is more than just an extract, you know, it's got it's, this complex, you know, it's got fiber, it's got, especially if you're talking about fermented types of soya, you know, like tempeh or mizu, these are even superior because they bring their probiotic properties. So what we can see from the research is that it may even have a protective effect. So, uh, but that's where they draw the line. When it comes to supplements, the, um, the evidence so far, so the research is not conclusive. So some studies may show protective um, uh, effects, some studies don't. And again, it's all going back to uh, the power of these studies and 
whether they some they they, they they a lot of studies then they use different types of extracts. So it's actually quite difficult, you know, to draw conclusions. Is it you know different uh, doses of 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 extracts? So when it comes to the extracts, and you say like let's say processed forms of soya. Uh, which is what you find in the supplements, then the advice is to avoid it. Um, and uh, because as with HRT, still not 100% clear as well, you know, even in regards to, uh, let's say, um, um, triple negative types of breast can cancer or HER2 positive. So just let's say for breast cancer women, um, the, the, the advice is to avoid soya, um, um, soya or red clover, you know, um, in the form of supplements. Um, red clover, I just want to mention briefly, the red, red clover is actually, you know, uh, an interesting one because there is not much, there is not much research on red clover. Um, and in fact, there is a quite interesting study showing actually that, um, and they've, sh they followed women, um, for three years who had uh, a reasonable amount, let's say, of red clover as a supplement. And they were they they they, they assess things you know they like parameters that could be correlated to um, uh, a risk of breast cancer and it was all quite it was all clear so they could not draw any conclusions that you know there was any um, unsafety let's say uh, but that's one study and again going back to what I said at the beginning the thing with red clover is there is not enough research so equally. Um, the advice is obviously to be conservative and also avoid supplements that contain red clover. Um, but you know, they, they, yeah, both of them, this, this type of supplements can be very helpful for women who are trying to manage the menopausal symptoms and either in the supplement format or food, um, because of this estrogenic mm. effect that helps, you know, to somehow compensate for uh, the low levels of estrogen that the body, you know, is trying to adapt to, um, and you know, but and that's mm. why uh, going back to herbs like ashwagandha or turmeric, if these herbs, you know, are not uh, a possibility, you know, it's even more important to understand the safety of all the others that can actually really make a difference um, to to the cancer community. Until we have more data, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think once you understand what you need to stay away from, if you're, for example, on tamoxifen and what is safe for you, it's actually not such a minefield because yeah. there are many things that are really supportive that we can do. And if we just focus on what you can't have, like I can't have the turmeric in whole food form, then that's just kind of like a bit of a wasted energy, isn't it? It's like, move on. If anyone is listening to this conversation thinking, yeah, I am on tamoxifen. Now I know, for example, I'm not going to include turmeric in a whole food supplement. Ashwagandha is something that I can support myself Consider, with so yeah. it's also just picking out yeah and and times change i always like it when people phone breast cancer now it's a brilliant hotline and of course everyone that has been affected by other cancers now this is a bit um not all inclusive but the nurses are very well trained however they also don't always know the latest evidence of all of those studies and the latest research and sometimes all you hear is not enough evidence. And so you sort of stay away from it. But when I hear not enough evidence, I always think, well, this is okay, because I'm going to do what I want to do. 
<laughs> with that information. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and that feels empowering to me. And that doesn't mean I have to take all of these supplements, but it kind of feels not enough evidence just means people haven't looked enough. You know, pharma companies will spend lots of money on doing big trials because they will then at the back of it sell loads of medication to people. We just know the same is never going to happen with supplements. And so it's always going to be a less regulated market, isn't it? And so that works against that market. And it's weird that we have more trust in something that the GP will prescribe <laughs> than in something that we can almost do for ourselves. We've lost trust a little bit, I feel, lost trust in our own ability to navigate health recovery. And we've sort of given that trust to other people sometimes. That's how, how it feels to me. And I think I think it's also when you have had, um, you know, severe um, diagnosis, it's incredibly frightening to, to feel like you're the person sort of like driving the vehicle because the vehicle didn't behave like you expected it to. And I think that's often the feedback we get within, within, the, within our community where, where we're talking to people who've, who have a history of cancer is you feel like your body betrayed you, you know, it did something you weren't expecting it to do. And then you you become less confident that you know how to manage it going forward. You know, so I, I completely understand you know, that kind of frustration, but also the the nervousness about making decisions. And I think, you know, to your point around the, the supplement space, I really wish that there was more regulation because I think it's it, it would be so helpful to all of us, actually, um, as we grow in our appreciation of the quality of the food we consume, the limitations quite often to the food we're, we're buying in the supermarket because of the quality of soil, all of the things we know that mean that when we ingest whole food, sometimes we are deficient in vitamins and minerals. And sometimes there are amazing herbs that have been used traditionally in medicine and and cooking that we've lost touch with and we've lost our understanding of, of how they work. It would be amazing if there was more regulation. I think I think maybe it's going to be a bit painful, but I kind of feel like there are, there change will happen because as we become more preventative about health as a as a world, we are going to have to kind of have these these difficult conversations and rethink the way that we um, evaluate, particularly herbal medicine. Because I think the thing about herbs is, you know, to Vera's point around an adaptogen, for example, it can do so many things. So it's really hard from a clinical and trial perspective to set parameters that are accurate to allow you to track its impact. Whereas when you're looking at a medicine, quite often you can be really specific about what you're looking for that medicine to do. So you can make a very conclusive argument as to whether that product worked or not, or whether that, you know, particular ingredient worked or not. It's much harder to do that with herbs because, you know, again, back to your point around stress, it's also impacted by how that human is and how their world is at that moment in time that they're taking that supplement, you know, how, how bioavailable, how, how's their gut microbiota, all of that stuff impacts all of it as well. So it's, it's incredibly difficult. Um, but I think curiosity and, and, and applying in a weird way, being a skeptic back to my point about, you know, completely dismissing anything that felt vaguely complimentary for, for ages. Um, being a skeptic is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, sometimes that means that if you do introduce something new, you just apply a lot of curiosity to it. And, you know, to your point, Danny, around whether acupuncture is right or not, how do you feel after each session? How long are you going to give it? You know, what's a, what's a fair amount of time? What criteria are you going to use to evaluate it? And then if it doesn't work, you move on. Um, but, you know, yeah. that, that, that permission to, to listen in, I think, is something that we, we do need to give ourselves permission to do. But I do understand it's really frightening. Yeah. And how long have you, so when you speak to the women in your community that take your whole food supplements, how long does it take for people to actually notice a difference? Yeah, I mean, again, everyone's everyone's different. So 
what we found really useful as a community is that we will do um, product impact studies with our community. And they're from a sort of from a research point of view, there's sort of pros and cons to any, I think, to any trial, because the minute you you invite someone to take your product and they know they're taking it as part of a trial protocol and they're kind of they're, they're almost like more diligent because they know that they've that they're, they're tracking their symptoms and they're going to be giving you that data back so you kind of get this false positive of people being really diligent and taking the product pretty much every day and doing all the things we, do, we don't do in real life and so in those scenarios we see we see an impact usually within about 30 days for our powdered products and actually with mood food that was really really exciting because we saw an impact much quicker we saw like an impact within two weeks of people taking that um that capsule formulation but then we also track people's symptoms in the real world so for consumers that buy the product they can they can choose to do that and that's in some ways that's probably more realistic because then you do get they went away for the weekend or they had the summer <laughs> off or you know life happens they were ill blah, blah blah and so then it's usually we usually say try and give it two months because we anticipate you're not going to have no one's you know I mean, no one does everything every day, do they? However much you intend to. So, so in those instances, two months, three months is a good indicator, I think. For, for and I, you know, when I'm advising people on other supplements, I, I say if you can take it every day, really, if you haven't seen anything after thirty days, I would become a bit skeptical, personally. Yeah. Um, if you're not someone who's doing it every day, maybe give it a couple of, of months. But, um, and I think the final thing I would say again is a is a complete. Like not not an expert at all, um, but as a as a human who was sort of navigating midlife and also rattling around like a pillbox because I was taking everything. Um, be really careful about not just you know to Vera's point about looking at the the kind of quality of the brands that you buy from and the contraindications, but make sure you're not overdosing by accident. Like you're not you're not taking like a vitamin that's a multivitamin you think is totally fine, but then you suddenly added a really powerful product over here like. We often have those conversations, don't we, Vera? When we're doing trials, we will know what else our customer is taking because we, we're very careful about that. And it does, I'm always shocked at how much we as midlife women are taking. You know, we're taking a lot and we often don't realise that we're taking too much. Would you agree, Vera? Yes, definitely. I think actually uh, it, it is... It is something that particularly I think for this community is really important, like something and also like herbal, herbal, uh, herbal extracts became really popular. So, you know, you may actually be on what you think is just a multivitamin that contains like a multivitamin for, let's say, um, women like 40 plus is quite likely to have herbal extracts and some of them containing phytoestrogens. So really do your research. And, and the other thing is um, there's quite a few brands that um, use really high, you know, doses of, um, of ingredients, including, you know, just even vitamins and minerals. Um, and I think that's, um, that may not be okay for, you know, most people anyway. But if, uh, again, going back to, to, the, to the cancer community, that can be even more of a problem. Um, and so, you know, uh, for instance, when we took, think about antioxidants, um, which some, you know, antioxidants that are present in, in maybe just a normal multivitamin can be contraindicated as well if you are going through treatment, because they can make the treatment less effective. But like, but if you think about those antioxidants as part of your diet, you know, they actually benefit. I mean, the antioxidants, you know, sound like a good thing, isn't it? It's all about 
thinking about, you know, using a little bit of common sense. So going back to what Daniel was saying at the beginning, you know, we do our research, but we also um, have to be very curious, mindful, and use common sense to to look at things and, and try to understand as well how these things then work in our bodies. Um, so yeah, then going back to the antioxidants, if you're taking certain supplements that contain high levels of antioxidants, as in example, vitamin E, which is a quite typical one, uh, it may be a contradiction, but if it's uh, in, you know, uh, reasonable levels, maybe okay. So yeah. What's so good about this, it's more is not always better. I think maybe I'm from a generation where you thought more is I need to run faster, run, you know, further. More is always better. More, 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 more. And that's not the case. And sometimes it's taking the foot off the pedal and thinking, okay, I'm just going to strip back. Less information, less time on social media, less, less advice from left, right and center. And just sort of coming back to myself and thinking, is there one thing I need to do for myself? And what could that be? And that might be nothing for a bit of time that might just be just getting through and then revamping our action plan again but I really want this to be an action-based podcast rather than people at home just listening and I know you've done huge legwork in preparing a document for me that I can share with everyone in our community and we've put it on your website for now we're going to get it on menopause and cancer as well and we have quoted well no you have quoted every research <laughs> paper and study about ashwagandha, turmeric, uh, red clover, <laughs> soy, phytoestrogens. I'm going to link to this document in the show notes. It's incredible. And I really want people to take this to their doctors, to their oncologists, or to any person that just says to them, don't worry about herbal medication. There might be contraindications. Please, everyone, we need to really educate the people we are working with and that are in our team. And I've also got an amazing um, blog just on our website, and we put that up yesterday, all about herbal medication from Melinda as well. So we've got two really good resources on there. And I really hope people are going to spread them wide and far. Because one thing we can't rely on, that just everything the GP can do for us is it. We have got to think further. We have got to think outside the box. Otherwise, we cannot heal we cannot recover fully and we do not support us in the best way possible. I think it's short-sighted to think it's either medication or nothing. It's crazy when it winds me up and you can hear it in my voice, isn't it? <laughs> when people sort of dismiss a whole world of help, support, uh, things that can be amazing for us. Um, just quickly, and then I'm going to let you go, do all of your products because I don't know, do all of your products contain turmeric, ashwagandha and red clover? Or is there a product that doesn't contain all of those? Uh, the short answer is uh, no, we have products that do not contain, you know, turmeric. And so just briefly, we've got um, two foundation powders. So it's Perry Boost and Mano Boost. Um, and um, those uh, contain phytoestrogens. So those, there's something to take into consideration. Then we have a, th a third product called Mood Food. So it's in the name, what it does. It helps with your mood, but it also helps, you know, with anxiety, uh, with brain fog. It's, it's really good for, for this kind of more, you know, psychological symptoms. That one contains also turmeric. 
So it doesn't contain phytoestrogens, but it does contain turmeric. So that one, if you are on cancer medication, you may want to obviously discuss that with your doctor first. We have a fourth product also in capsules called Gut Instinct. So that's our uh, uh, most recent one. And Gut Instinct uh, doesn't have any, you know, herbs with known contraindications. So that one, you know, it's it's being developed to support with digestive systems, improving, you know, digestion, reducing bloating, which are symptoms that are quite significant uh, within our community. So that's what led us to to come up to come up, um, up with this this product, our most recent one. The only thing we got instant is that it contains one herb that it may potentially reduce absorption of. Uh, medications. So if you are on medication, we just say, take you now, take it uh, with two hours apart, and then it's perfectly fine. But in terms of the ingredients and contraindications with cancer or cancer medication, there aren't absolutely any with the uh, unknown so far, obviously, with gut instinct. Yeah. Mm. So there are options. You know what? I'm going to come back <laughs> to you, Rebecca. Yeah, and I was going to let you go, but I'm not going to let you go now, Rebecca. I'm going to come back to you because... I'm enjoying the chat. Sorry, I'm learning lots. Yeah. <laughs> I like the fact I like the fact that you are so openly cynical about even your own products. Like, that almost <laughs> blows my mind because you've just said earlier, well, give it a month or two, and if it really doesn't do anything for me for you, then just move on. Then clearly this isn't anything that's going to work for you. Well, I like that because you're not saying all of your products are really going to help everyone have a much better experience. And you've got that cynical thinking there. And when it when I come back to your, for example, the last product you've just used, Vera, mm. we talked about that before, didn't we, Rebecca? Mm. And you said to me, look, it's all about probiotics. Everyone, left, right and centre is banging on about probiotics, kimchi and sauerkraut and all of those lovely foods. But oh my gosh, so many people get so bloated from adding yeah. loads of those probiotic foods. And so I know your blends, I'm actually mainly working on the prebiotic properties, isn't it? And so that's really quite interesting for me because I wonder, I mean, I ladle the sauerkraut in because Tim Spector years ago said, you just have a spoonful of sauerkraut. So I'm like the person there at the back of the kitchen with the sauerkraut thinking, oh, that's what I need to do. But oh, my bloating, hello. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think it's, it's right across. I mean, I think by this age, as women, we're sort of, we're old enough and wise enough to know there are no silver bullets and that M-Powder is not a silver bullet. And we've been really clear about that from the start. And we don't work for everyone. You know, sometimes the format of our products is, is just impossible to fit into your day. You know, if you've got a really sweet tooth, I can tell you now you will struggle with our powdered products because they're functional and we don't add artificial sweeteners. And so for some people, they really struggle with the taste. Other people knock it back with water and they're fine. Um, but also, you know, if your routine in the morning is such that you don't have time to ladle something in and, you know, we, we talk about putting stuff in jam jars and shaking it, but that's, some people haven't got time for that either. So if you can't, if you can't introduce consistency, we're not going to work, but also, you know, back to your point, Danny, around stress, if you're really, really stressed and your body is, is screaming for support, then a powdered, you know, whole food lead supplement isn't going to be the only thing that's going to get you back to feeling well again. And when I think about my own health, health journey back, you know, it was all about that digestion and stress. And then it was about nutrition. And then it was about moving. And then it was looking at the supplements. And it was that layering up. And I think the other thing that's really important is we may work for a period of time. Like we're really honest with people about that as well. And 
you know, we want to be with you for your whole menopause journey and we want you to age well. But again, if I think back, and I'm sure you're the same, when I first went into my sort of post-menopause, my body was almost in shock. Certain, I couldn't run, for example. I, I just couldn't run. I hadn't got the energy and I used to love running. That used to be my sort of release of stress. And I was just depleted from running. It made me miserable and sad and shattered. And I had to move to a completely different form of movement. I had to do a lot of lying down on the floor. So that was another thing I was cynical about was yoga nidra. Um, lots of research on it. It's really good for us. <laughs> but I just thought it was lying on the floor. Um, and uh, and I, I got interested and curious about yoga. But now I'm back running. So like I'm now 50 and my obviously I'm pretty much near sort of like tipping into postmenopause now. Um, and I found the love for running again, which is amazing. But I think that's that's the same with everything we're doing as, as women. It's just like keep listening in. If something stops working for you, you might just need to repack that toolkit and try something else. And that's OK. Mm. You know, that's that's what we should be mm. doing. And before anyone does anything else, go into our show notes have a look at the resources we have put together. They are incredible and share them with everyone who's a cynic out there and just tell them to read them and do their own research. And let's spread the word on the data we have and also the data we don't have. And this has been such a great conversation for me because I really want to know what works and what doesn't work. And you've given me the answers and you haven't been beating around the bush. And We've got all of the data to back all of our conversations up. And so I'm going to link that into the show notes. Thank you, ladies. It's been fabulous oh. to talk to you. Cynical Rebecca, you've got a new name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> before, before, I'm trying. Um, I'm trying. before the conversation, people said to me, oh, you're going to talk to um, the Empowder lady. And I <laughs> said, yes, Rebecca. And now you've got another name, Vera. Thank you so much for your passion um, for explaining everything to us, for just coming and giving us your time. I can't thank you enough. Thank you for answering all of our questions. Well, thanks for having us, Danny. Thank you, Danny. It was really empowering to be here sharing all of this with you. I hope that this conversation has been really helpful. And if you're interested in using turmeric, ashwagandha, red clover, soy as a whole food supplement, that we've given you the answers that you need because these are not supplements okay and appropriate for everyone but for the person who it's appropriate for they can have really great effect and so be a bit more like Rebecca I think let's be cynical let's try these things open doors and open windows give ourselves the chance of something helping for us and then assess in 30 days in two months time if it doesn't do anything for us we're going to move on but it's really important that we know what's safe and what isn't safe for us and use our resources listed in the show notes uh, so you can share the research with all of the people in your medical team that you have conversations with. Now, my exciting announcement is menopause and cancer are going on the road. Last year's feedback we had is that a lot of the in-person events we did in London or around Surrey area down south in England. And so we're going to go onto the road. We're coming into Yorkshire and we are hosting a, an event with Maggie's, which are a fantastic cancer charity in Yorkshire on the 16th of March. Come and join us for a whole day of mixing and mingling. You'll have access to a menopause expert. We will move together. We have a nutritionist coming in and I want to come and meet you because it's really important for me to actually hold and hug and be part of this community and not just get these podcasts out. 
community is at the connection and the heart of everything we do. And I'm really excited about that. And because I know there are a lot more people in Yorkshire that we can, then we can fit into Maggie's. We are having a party the night before on the 15th of March in a pub. We've hired a space. Come and meet us. Come and mix and mingle with us. You might even want to stay over in a hotel. Let's have a real good party and mix and mingle. And I can't wait to meet many of you there. If you go onto our social media pages or onto our website, um, you can find all of the information there. But for now, you know what I'm so grateful for? Amazing and brilliant women like Rebecca and Vera, who are doing so much great work in their space and who are honest enough to say, okay, this is what we know and this is what we don't know. And our products aren't great for everyone, but for the right person, they can really be helpful. And I just love that approach. This is really, really empowering to me. And I wish everyone was as you know, just open and transparent as Rebecca and Vera. Anyway, I'm going to love you and leave you. And I'll speak to you on the podcast next week.